0: 1971, stylistics, yep, fantastic. Stop looking, look, listen to what your heart's saying. That's where we are in the series. To stop. What a great message. Your heart's talking, isn't it? Your heart's talking and your heart is craving God. Your heart is craving time with God. Your heart is craving experience with God. And part of the reality of living in the rhythm of the spirit is to weekly stop. Stop. It's hard for us, isn't it? To stop. The Bible calls it the Sabbath. It's about stopping. That's where we are in the passage here, or in the series. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Last week we considered the first six days of creation in some detail with Twelve commas, and I told you that there was a period coming in the rhythm of the Spirit. And here it is, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. God said, "I, I have finished what I set out to do. By the seventh day, the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Lord as we come to this time in our gathering and just want to bring ourselves under the authority of your word and what you have to say to us i, I we just invite you to come in the present power of your holy spirit and and make this teaching come alive for us lord it's not about what i've prepared or what i say it's about what you have for us today, Lord, and so would you just take the words of my mouth, Father, and control them and use them and translate them between my mouth and each individual set of ears so that your voice can be heard in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, Pastor Christian and I have launched a series called Recapturing Your Time, and our sense is is that um, there are many here who, who are unsatisfied with your command of your time. You feel like you're caught maybe on a treadmill. You feel like maybe you're even enslaved to a, a schedule, a, a, set of, a, a, you know, a set of time parameters. Like, How did I get here? And so that's what we want to talk to you about. You might just feel trapped in it. But I have really good news for you. Prepare to gasp. I've been reading the Bible. I know. And the Bible says that this is not God's plan for us to be caught on a treadmill of performance anxiety. That it's not, it's not his plan for us at all. And last week as we looked at the, the creation account and how God set up a rhythm of time for us to embrace and for us to, for us to pour ourselves into, and we noticed that it, that it had 12 commas and a period. And the commas were... That on the on the first day, God finished the work, and then there was evening, comma, and there was morning the first day, comma. And then that happened five more times so that each day there were there was evening and there was morning, and there was a comma. And a comma means breathe. A comma means take a breath. And so we just observed that the rhythm of God's Spirit for us as, as people of time is to live out our weeks with six days of activity, six days of Production, six days of work, but in the evening, take a deep breath of God. In the morning, take another deep breath of God. And that's that's really what that was talking about. And that evening-morning thing was a fresh perspective for some of you, wasn't it? You I got so much feedback from that from that message last week, and it was so positive, and and I'm so so glad to hear that many of you just felt liberated by that by that uh, insight that it's okay to be a night person and not a morning person. That so many of you just felt like, oh, you mean I can take my deep breath of God at night and maybe my more shallow breath of God in the morning? That I don't have to continue to feel guilty about hating to get up in the morning and and sort of pretending like I'm connecting with God, but I'm more naturally wired to do it in the evening? And uh, a lot of you got some liberty from that, didn't you? And I praise God for that. And it just struck me this week that, yeah, I'm a morning person. I, I take my deep breath in the morning, and I take my shallow breath as I fall asleep in the evening. I get that. But, but that it's wonderful that some of you are not wired that way, because that means the church is always breathing deeply, right? And we complement one another. And I think you know, I think you would know that I never meant to hinder you in your walk with God by... By talking about my experience, I didn't mean it to be normative. I, it's just the only experience that I have firsthand knowledge of, right? And so I'm glad that you've been set free. Well, today we're going to look not at the commas, but at the period. That after six days, with two, two breaths of God each day, there's a period. Genesis says, thus, the heavens and the earth were completed, He was done working. By the seventh day, verse two, God had finished the work he had been doing. He's done. He said, that's, that's what I set out to do right there. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Now, he doesn't need to rest. Of course, we've, we've visited this before. God's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's, he doesn't need to re-energize himself the way we do. He never runs out of energy. He's omnipotent. And really, a better way, perhaps, to translate that is that he ceased from the work. He stopped. He just stopped. stopped. And uh, he blessed the seventh day, verse 3. The seventh day, he says, has, has my special blessing on it. And he made it holy. He said, this is a very special day, this seventh day. And the seventh day is called the Sabbath, isn't it? And it, it really speaks to the rhythm that God has established. Six days of work and then a Sabbath. The work, rest, rhythm of God. God. It's so important. So each week comes with 12 commas and then a period. Not 14 commas and 14 more commas. 12 commas and stop, he's saying. This is called the Sabbath. You know, since 1985, Sabbathing has been a fundamental part of my walk with God in some form or another. Always... Tried to find a way to put Sabbath into my life as I walked out my walk with God. Now, Sunday isn't a very good Sabbath for me. You know, you got a lot going on when you're a pastor, when you're a professional Christian. This is the only day we work. Uh, and so we really got to get to it, you know? Amen, brother? I mean, you know, it's a wonderful job, great gig if you can get the work, but uh, Sundays are not a good Sabbath. So I've always had to try to be creative and when I could find the Sabbath time. But since 85, I remember I was reading a couple of things that really influenced me. One was uh, Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. And listen, pound for pound, if you you ask me what one book could I read that would be more formative in my life and my spiritual life than anything else, I would recommend Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. And he talks about various spiritual disciplines that really deepen our well and and, and encourage and increase our walk with God. And one of the things he talks about is Sabbath. But I also read at the same time an article in a journal called Leadership, which I think still has an online form. I haven't read it in quite a few years, but we used to get it. uh, Pastors used to get it because it had great cartoons in it. It was just fantastic. And uh, it kind of vented some of our cynicism when we read those cartoons. But it also had great leadership articles in it and I remember reading one by the hardly known at the time pastor named Eugene Peterson. Ever been, anybody ever heard of him? Yeah, so he's the one who has since then become quite, quite well known and he's the one behind the paraphrase of the Bible that some of you use called the message. And uh, Eugene Peterson has made enormous contributions to the health of the church in his lifetime. And he wrote this article in leadership about um, about Sabbathing and how important it is for pastors who can't Sabbath on Sundays to find another space of time somewhere in their life where they can dial it down, where they can do the thing called Sabbath. And so over the years, I've, I've just tried to adapt one day or at least part of a day in my life to Sabbath, just to dialing down and just listening to God. And I have to say that, that, that the practice of Sabbath keeping the, the great majority of the defining moments of my walk with the Lord have come from Sabbath moments, not when I'm on the run, but when I'm stopped. And so many of the stories that I've told you over the years about, you know, things I've encountered in the Lord or things I've heard from the Lord have come out of that stop time, that Sabbath time. Uh, the story about the shotgun shells that I've told over and over again in this church that so many of you know and have had such an imprint on the life of this church happened during a Sabbath time, my walk with the Lord. And I'm just saying that Sabbath, as a principle now, not as a rule, but as a principle, is God's way of saying to each and every one of us, there needs to be a time in our our week when we stop. We stop. We forget about the list. We forget about what has to be done. We just stop. And we move into the presence of the Lord and experience His holiness. It said that He He blessed the seventh day and He made it holy. That God wants to stop with us and we can experience His holiness. When we do this, when we discipline ourselves to have a Sabbath period every week, what it does is it enlivens us then for the 12 commas that are about to come. Does that make sense? And so this is the rhythm of the spirit of the Bible. It says six days, two commas a day, 12 commas, 12 deep breaths, and then stop. You've got to stop. And that's what Sabbath is. And there's an application, a very important one for our lives as Christians today. Let's look for a minute or two at the development of the Sabbath in the Bible, okay? Okay? Okay. Sabbath, if you kind of tra- uh, 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 trace it through the Bible, was first of all ordained by God in the beginning of time. I just, I just read that for you. In the beginning of time, God ceased from his work on the seventh day, and he set that day aside, and he blessed it. And he said, this, this, is, this is my day. And, and so the, the concept of Sabbath was ordained by God in the beginning of time, prior to the law of Moses, prior to... This is God saying, this is, what I, this is how I want your rhythm to be with me. And so, I love it that this is one of those times when, you know, God, God did this. He rested. He stopped. And so, the invitation into, into the Lord's presence in a Sabbath period is one that, that he set as an example And he said, here's how I roll. (laughs) And I don't know if we can even think about God stopping, but I think it's very fair to say that God has established a rhythm of life with us that he says, I want you to have a Sabbath where you stop and I'll stop. And we'll enjoy one another's company. We'll make it holy. This is really the power and the point of Sabbath. Now, if you keep moving through the Bible, you get to Exodus chapter 20, and you'll see that the Sabbath was written into the law of Moses. It's the fourth commandment. Has anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Kind of God's greatest hits, right? I mean, Ten Commandments, and the fourth one is to keep the Sabbath, to keep it holy. And it says, here's what you're not going to do on the Sabbath. You're not going to work. Your servants aren't going to work. Nobody's going to work. I want everything to stop so that you can have time in my holiness. This is one of the the Ten Commandments. Now, from the Ten Commandments came 613 Levitical laws, and many of them pertain to the Sabbath and what you may or may not do on the Sabbath. And you might be sitting there saying, you know, I'm a believer. I'm covered by the blood of Christ. I am no longer bound by the law, and you are 100% right. But what that means (laughs) What that means is that you are not not required to keep the law to cover the details of the law. Jesus Christ and his death on the cross covered that all for you. But the Ten Commandments, all ten of them, do they not invite us into life? I mean, the Ten Commandments aren't erased. Jesus said, I didn't come to cancel the law, I came to fulfill it. So he's covered the 603 other Levitical laws, but the Ten Commandments live for us, don't they? And don't they describe the life that you want? I mean, I don't want to murder even in my mind. I don't want to bear false witness. I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to be a covetous, jealous person. And I, and I want to keep the Sabbath. And so the fact that we're not under the details of the law because of the finished work of Christ on the cross does not remove us from the concepts of life, the principles of life that God pours out on us in the Old Testament Ten Commandments. Are you feeling that? And so the invitation of Sabbath is still there. You see, the fact that we're not, no longer under the law because of Christ, it, it, just, it just says, you don't have to worry so much about how you keep the Sabbath. You don't have to worry about whether you tied the right knot. You don't have to worry about whether you exerted too much effort and you violated the Sabbath. Jesus covers all of that. But he also calls you to enjoy the Sabbath, to to punctuate your week with a time of stopping. Now, moving on in the Bible, we see that this was predictably overblown into legalistic bondage by the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, this, this was their pursuit of God is they said, you know, if one is good, let's multiply it by ten. And what happened was they took those 613 Levitical laws and they blew them up into subpoints. And so they had rules about, about the Sabbath, literally about what kind of knot you were permitted to tie, how much effort you could exert. And so they they created they created this thing of Sabbath that was meant to be God's invitation for us to come into his holiness Into bondage. And so much so that the people of Israel began to wander from the observance of a Sabbath at all. If you go through the Bible, you'll see that that the Sabbath was consistently preached as part of the message of the prophets. That the prophets, they were saying, they they were speaking on God's behalf and saying, Come back to me, return to me, return to me, keep the Sabbath. In other words, God gets it that we're working people. But he says, once a week, I want you to stop and come back to me. I want to give you something that I can't give you on the run. I want you to stop. Okay. And consistently through the message of the prophets, we see that. We continue through the Bible, and we see that the Sabbath was radically liberated by Jesus. That Jesus came along. Did he observe the Sabbath? Absolutely. But he had a different way of observing it, didn't he? So much so, so much so, that the, that the people, the Pharisees, the religious people, were really annoyed with the things that he did on the Sabbath because he was breaking the rules, right? And so, for example, he said, you know, he, he, he and his disciples are picking heads of, heads of uh, wheat on a Sabbath, and they're eating it. And they come and say, why don't you know that you're not supposed to do any work, you're not supposed to harvest on the Sabbath? Jesus goes, Oi, ve. how can you guys not get this? He said, of course, even David and his companions, they ate. They ate when it was time to eat. He said, we're not talking about picking up your food to eat it. We're, we're talking about taking a break from harvesting the whole field, he said. Come on already, right? How about when Jesus healed the man with the withered arm on the Sabbath and, and the people are like, oh, this is so wrong. And he says, he says, is it right to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? And so Jesus really radicalized this Sabbath and brought us back to the point. Because Jesus said, you know, you know, if your sheep falls into a well or your ox slips into a ditch, will you not rescue that, that creature or your son, in one case, falls into a ditch? Wouldn't you rescue that a person or that animal from, from, from danger on the Sabbath? And so Jesus just, he just blew it up and he said, it's not about the rules, it's about coming to me having a set time in our week when we just stop. And in the privacy of our own relationship with God, we just come to him, right? And then uh, I think you got to know that uh, the Sabbath remains at the heart of God's call to his people today, even as believers. How many many of you know that Jesus said this? Come to me, all you who are what? Weary. (laughs) Weary and burdened, heavy laden, depending on your translation, and I will give you something. What does he want to give you? He'll give you a rest. And he's, say, he's saying, you still need to do this. You're not bound by law, the law of it. You don't have to worry about the knots you tie. He says, not how you do it, but that you do it. You come to me. And he says, I'm going to give you something. What's he going to give us? Anybody into that? Just like a wave of rest from the Lord. Well, this this Sabbath keeping is a fundamental part of the rhythm of the spirit that we're talking about in recapturing your time. If you really want to get off that treadmill, you've got to give God your time. You've got to surrender the 168 hours to him. Order it around the revelation of the rhythm of time that God has given us here in the word, and, and, and then let the rest of it flow from that. 12 commas, <gasps> I won't do it 12 times, 12 breaths, and then you got to stop. It's not a continuous life of commas. It's 12 commas and a period. How do I do it? I dare you to ask me. Thank you for asking. This is really the crux of so many biblical teachings for us today, isn't it? We read the Bible and we go, yeah. Sounds great, but this stuff was written two to 6,000 years ago, depending on where you are in the Bible. You say, how do I do it now? Okay, I'm going to give you four ways to do it. You ready? Say yes. Number one, establish a time. Establish a time. I call it in my life a sacred time. And it's a time that's established that is so sacred, it's really inviolable. It's like, no, I, I have, I've told people, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy then. I have something then, I'll say. Because it's, it's Sabbath. It's time to stop. And you, you need to carve out that time and establish it. And this will look differently on each one of you. Here's the thing about Sabbath. You don't, have to, you don't have to observe the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday. You don't have to make the Sabbath Sunday. I'm just saying, carve out a space of time in your week where you're going to say, that's Sabbath. Sabbath. That's what I, you know what I do at Sabbath? I Sabbath. I stop. And this will even change, likely, in the seasons of your life. Because those of you who have little kids at home still, or teenagers and stuff like that, you go, hey, when am I ever going to carve out any period of time for Sabbath, right? This will change in seasons of your life. But those of you who, like Karen and me, where your rugrats are all up and gone, you know, it's it's like, whoa, we can do what we want. We have control of this. But I'm just saying, Sabbath can be uh, celebrated, observed, enjoyed by every believer, but give yourself some flexibility to move it around as the seasons of your life demand it. But I'm just saying, it starts by carving out a time. You may carve out four hours where you say, that's going to be my Sabbath every week. That's that's when that's going to be. Now, some of you who uh, aren't professional Christians, such as Christian and myself and our staff and stuff here, you can make Sunday your Sabbath. And you can say, I'm in the rhythm of going to the 11 o'clock service, and for the four hours beyond that, well, that's going to be my Sabbath. It'll change the way you do things. And you say, I'm not going to mow the lawn. I'm not. And it's not that it's the law, like, don't mow the lawn on Sabbath. On Sabbath, you're breaking the Sabbath. But you're just going to stop. I'm going to tell you some things that you can do. You'll find find that the practice of Sabbath is completely enjoyable once you celebrate it, observe it in the liberty of the Spirit. Because you're just stopping from the work, and you're enjoying God. But even if you can just sign a a four-hour space of time. Now, only recently have Karen and I discovered a 24-hour period of time each week where we experience Sabbath. And we, we started, doesn't, it, it happens to follow, fall on the same as the Jewish Sabbath. So what we've been doing for about the last three months is, is at 5 o'clock Friday, everything stops for us. And we observe Sabbath from 5 o'clock Friday afternoon to Saturday at 5 o'clock. I know. Oh, it's, Marie, it's amazing. And, we, and like I said, we've observed, tried to sort of fit Sabbath in different ways over the years. But this is remarkable. I mean, now that I have Christian on staff, who's such a remarkable pastor, and he can just do the work on Saturday. <laughs> See how this rolls? You ever heard rank has its privileges, right? Then I'm so serious. I, we just we just looked at our calendar and we saw that, ex- with the exception of yesterday, where I had a leaders meeting already scheduled, that for the next 12 Saturdays, we saw this uh, 12 weeks ago, that that it was clear which is really unusual. And so we started celebrating Sabbath. And it's remarkable when you give 24 hours to God each week in this way. And so we can do that because we don't have some of the considerations that many of you may have. But you don't have the consideration perhaps that we that we have that we're working from before dawn, till after dark on Sundays, every every Sunday. So the first thing you do is establish your time. doesn't matter when it is. Establish a time. If you're a couple, talk about it. Say, we're going to do this experiment. We're going to try this. And we're going to, this is it, and we're going to protect it. Number two, the second thing you should do on Sabbath is stop. Just stop. You've got to shut it down if you're going to experience God in Sabbath. You've got to shut it all the way down. It doesn't mean stop going to work and come home and work. It means stop. Shut it down. Now, for many of you, that'll mean shut off your phone. Some of you just got really nervous, right? That means shut it down. Disconnect. You got to stop. You got to relax. You got to let it go. And here's what's going to be hard for some of you. For the period of the Sabbath, you have to forget about accomplishing anything. Ouch. For Americans, that's tough, right? Why? Because we derive our identity from what we accomplish, right? Hmm. What if we derived our identity from our four hours a week in Sabbath with God? Just what if? I wonder how our list might change. you got to... You've got to forget about accomplishing. Now, it takes a little while to get fall into that rest. But it's about stopping. Everything slows way down during Sabbath. It doesn't matter what you do when you're just enjoying the company of God. It's a very intentional kind of slow. Now, as I said, I've read my Bible. And so for our Sabbath period, we provide for two exceptions in the stopping one is if a sheep has fallen into a well, that if one of y'all falls in a well on Saturday and I can't get a hold of Christian, I'm coming, all right? We're coming. We're on the way. We're not going to say, oh, I'm sorry about your tragedy today, but it's Sabbath, so we're not coming, right? We're coming. We're coming. So if you actually fall in the well, now if you're just circling the drain, we ain't coming, Okay? All right, we ain't coming. But if you're in, (laughs) we're coming. All right, so don't worry about that. But the other thing that has been so remarkable in our celebration of Sabbath, it's it's an exception to stopping, is we look for opportunities to do good. Jesus said, "Is Is it right to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? And so we just open ourselves up to God and say, Here we are, we're yours, we have no plans. And, and he has led us into some of the most remarkable situations because we just get this leading to go and do this. You see, Sabbath, we're not sitting around staring at our navels, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for it to be over with. It's a really exciting time of our week. And we just say to God, what could we do now? And the results have been wonderful. One, one Saturday, God just spoke to us and said, I want you to go and stop by this couple's house. Unannounced. A drop-in, a pop-in. We don't even do that in our society, do we? Just knocked on the door. Hey! (laughs) It's like 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. (laughs) Hey! We're just popping by. Oh, okay, well, come on in. The next two hours, we learned about something that was happening in the life of this couple that was so difficult for them and so hard. And that we just never would have had a clue about. And we just spent that time with them. And it was just doing good. To the point that at one one point in the time that we were there, one of them said, God sent you here to us today. (laughs) That's cool. Yesterday, God just led us to the home of of a dear woman in our church who, she's been part of our church for 25 years, and she's sick. And she's sick. And don't I visit people who are sick during the week? Of course. But yesterday it was, go see her. And we went and drank coffee. There's no rush. It's not one thing on a list. Go see so-and-so. Are you feeling the difference? It's just this stopped, slow time when you enjoy God and you just let him move you. And so the third thing you do is look. You've probably figured out what the fourth thing's going to be. You look. you got to look around. When you're stopped for Sabbath, just stop and look for God. See if you can, do it. See if you can find God in, in there somewhere. You know, sometimes it's for us, it's in the Bible. We just stop. So during Advent, we did all of our advent celebrations on Friday night. We're Karen out, we just lit our candles and we read the scriptures and we sang our songs, we prayed our prayers together. And it was remarkable. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's other ways, but we look for God. We look for God in our house. We look for God in our relationship. We look for God in our lives. We look for His holiness, because he said, "The Sabbath is holy. It's remarkable. We also look for others while we're looking. Like I said, we just look for others. And not just the kindness part, we just allow God to bring others to our mind and say, okay. And it's very spontaneous, very wonderful. One Friday night, we invited some of our neighbors over for a chili. We didn't know we were going to do it until Friday night. There was no big stress about, oh my gosh, somebody's coming over to the house. You know, you know, how, you know what I'm talking about? It was just God brought them, these neighbors we love, and they came over. Karen had made chili, cut up a little salad, bada bing, bada boom. Right? We sat and talked for a couple hours, and we enjoyed them. (laughs) Another Friday night, God just spoke to me in the afternoon. I called, Karen, what do you think about this? She said, That sounds great. And we just called another set of neighbors that we know and love, and we said, Why don't you come over to our house tonight? We'll play cards. On the Sabbath? You see how it's not about law? God brought them to mind. We just played gin rummy without the gin, right? All right? And, we, and it was wonderful. And you know, there's no stress. I mean, in our culture, we get so stressed about having somebody over. It's so, ah, we got to do this, we got to do that. Well, if you don't know you're going to do it until you do it, there's no stress, right? And you know what we you know what we have on those Friday nights when we invite people over we have muscos, you know what muscos are? That's where you look in the in the refrigerator and everything must go right. <laughs> and if, if people are okay just coming over and playing cards and having some. I mean it was the most eclectic group of snacks I've ever seen. We put out cheese and crackers, but we only had eight crackers. <laughs> Hello? Do you feel the difference? Are you feeling what God wants to do with you on the Sabbath? Bring somebody to mind that you just might invite over. You, why don't you guys come over? Just look for others, look for an opportunity to do good. And then, number four, listen. Listen. It's slowed down. You begin to hear the voice of God in a remarkable way. One of the things I've heard every one of these Sabbaths that we've done is that I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I've had some pretty messy weeks you guys you wouldn't want to know the list of sins that I confess if you did you'd probably run for cover find yourself a real pastor but I confess them to God and I confess them as I go as I encourage you to do and I receive his forgiveness daily as I confess these things to him but there's something about slowing down and hearing him say son come here I forgive you it's, so, it's so inspiring. It's so life-giving. Just hearing the renewal of the covenant of grace in which I'm living. And you can't hear that on the run. Your ears aren't, aren't tuned to his voice on the run. Hear about what he might want to say to you. Another thing that has happened every, every week is that in the most remarkable way, I've re-upped. You know, you come to six six days, 12 commas, and then you stop. And you go, Lord, by your grace and with your strength, I'll continue for another 12 commas. (laughs) If you give me the strength today, I'll have another 12 commas in me. The Bible says you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. That's God's word for you. And when you stop and let him speak that into your life, you begin to re up and say, "Yep, I'm in." My son Brad asked me on Wednesday we went out to lunch. What I thought the benefits of our most recent commitment to Sabbath have been, and uh, you got to understand that my son Brad, and his wife Melissa, and their family they are they are serious practitioners of of the spiritual disciplines, very serious, including the Sabbath. and And so I think he was kind of pleased to see his dad uh, finally figuring something out and. Um, he uh, asked me what I thought were the, were the benefits of these last three months of practicing Sabbath this way. And I could only think of a couple when we were eating lunch, but I reflected on it since then. I've thought of five. Now, I hope they help you. One thing that Sabbath has brought to us, Karen and me, is a, a more deeply shared spiritual life. Now, we pray together quite regularly. Typically daily, we pray together. But there's something that happens when you stop And move into the spirit together. That you have a a deeper blending of your relationship with Christ and with each other. Second thing is a greater enjoyment of the people we love. You know, we love our neighbors. We really do. And we we love spending time with them. And we love you. And one of these days you might get a Friday afternoon call saying, hey, we got peanut butter and crackers tonight. Want to come over? You know? You might. And if you don't, that doesn't mean we don't love you. It just means there's a lot of you, okay? There's no system to this. There's no, let's work through the A's, this quarter, and the B's, you know. There's none of that. It's just, God, what do you want us to do? And and if you practice that, you would enjoy the people you love. You'd take time for them. Third, we have an opportunity to experience the shared joy of kindness. You may be thinking already that, hey, don't your grocery giveaways happen every Saturday, on a Saturday every time? They do, right? And we go, because Karen's in charge, as it turns out, right? And we go, but we're not working. We're taking, we're, we're, we're doing good. And, and something really cool has happened since Karen and I love to go to the, which kind of split up as groups and go to these different places for grocery giveaway, which is the third Saturday of every month, right? Maybe next Saturday coming up, if I've got this right, 10 o'clock, come out and join us. It's so fun. And we love to go to this trailer park out halfway to Timbuktu out there, and, and we love those people there. And just the shared joy of being kind at Ed's house with his grandkids and taking those groceries in. This other guy's house, I don't know his name, but when he over his open door, it always smells like pot, and, and, I, I, and he's so grateful to see us with the food and you know, Karen brought him, went and bought him some shoes and just little stuff. But the shared joy of kindness is so remarkable. I think one of the things I've noticed about observing the Sabbath is a substantially greater energy levels for Sunday and for Monday. So here's what's been happening in my life I've been working myself to death, and then when it comes around to Monday, I was so tired I couldn't even, I couldn't even enjoy a day off. I would, there would be days I wouldn't even get dressed because I was so tired. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift called Christian Root, who came and who carries, <laughs> who carries, substantially carries that burden with me now and gives me the freedom to do this. Amen? And so so what happens is by stopping and enjoying God. Then I've got all this energy for everything I've got to do all day, all night, Sunday. And then when Monday comes around, i got enough. i got enough juice to go out and do something in the barn or something. You know what I'm talking about? And it's wonderful. Substantially greater. Almost like God knew what he was doing in demanding this time. But I think the thing that surprised me the most is that in our observance of the Sabbath, we, we have this... Joyful anticipation of the next Sabbath. It's crazy. You know, here we are. It's the first day of the week, right? We took one breath last night. We took a breath today. Man, we got 10 more commas ahead of us. But you know what happens after 12 commas? You get a period. And there's this anticipation that carries you through. You know, you guys think of it as hump day or whatever, however you think about it on Wednesday. But you have this sense of what I'm talking about. But when you give that time to the Lord, there's a sense of joyful anticipation that's remarkable. Okay, I could talk about Sabbath for hours upon hours, but I won't. Let me tell you this after I take a drink. As a believer in Christ, you are not bound to keep a Sabbath. You're not bound to it. In the book of Colossians, Paul says, let no man judge you by whether or not you keep a Sabbath day or a new moon festival or whatever. Don't let anybody judge you by the law, but if you keep reading, he says those laws, he says, those were a shadow of the things to come. The reality, however, he says, is found in Christ. So you're not bound to be worried about whether you're tying the right knots or expending too much energy on the Sabbath. You're not bound. Don't let anybody judge you by that. You're in Christ. But there's a reality of the Sabbath, of stopping each week and being with God in such an intentional way that will radically increase your spiritual vitality over time. God is very much still into meeting his people on the Sabbath. And your spiritual life will greatly prosper by finding a way to keep the Sabbath for whatever time you can manage to carve out, even as an experiment, for three months. Sabbath is a fundamental part of the rhythm of the Spirit. It's 12 commas and a period, and is fundamental, is essential for you recapturing this time that you say you want to recapture. I want to leave you with this thought about a Sabbath. Sabbath is God's personal invitation for you to leave the world and come to his house for the rest your heart truly craves. It's really what Sabbath is. It's God's invitation, a personal invitation to say, okay, you've worked hard for six times. Now I want you to stop. I want you to leave all that behind and come into my house. And I'm going to give you something, and it's the thing that your heart truly craves, and it's rest. Would you like to recapture your time? Would you like to get off the performance treadmill? To get out of your slavery to someone else's perception of your time and use of your time? Well, it all begins by embracing the rhythms of the Spirit, 12 commas and a period, It couldn't be more basic than this, could it? But you know what I fear? I fear that many of you right here, sitting here right now, are saying, that sounds like a really good idea. But you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. I just fear that many of you are going to listen to this and say, that sounds like a really good idea if you're a pastor or something, but I'm not going to do it. Well, if you think about your decision as to whether or not to figure out how to do this, I want to exhort you with three things. If you decide not to do it, please don't blame it on your kids. Please don't say, well, when the kids are grown, we can do this because our kids, they're going in so many different directions. My question for you is whose fault is that? If you decide not to do it, Don't blame it on your spouse. Well, if I could just get my spouse on board, we could do it. Maybe someday when they're a little deeper in the faith or even interested in the faith at all, then maybe maybe we could do it. Don't blame it on your spouse. This is on you, believer. It's on you. And if you're getting impressed by God with the, the quality of this, if you're getting stirred in your heart, it's on you to carve out that time. And my third exhortation is, please, don't say something like, that's a great idea, but it's the wrong time in my life. That's a great idea of ordering my week that way, but it's the wrong time because of my job or because of this or because of that. Please don't say great idea, wrong time. Because I'm really glad that Mary didn't say that, right? When God came to Mary and said, you're going to bear the Christ child into the world, She didn't say, great idea, God, wrong time. I'm only a teenager. I'm really glad Jeremiah didn't say that, right? He was 12 years old when God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. I'm really glad that Jeremiah didn't say, great idea, God, wrong time. (laughs) Jehoash was seven years old when he assumed the, the, the throne of Israel. Seven. And he didn't say, Good idea, God. Wrong time. Wait, give me 20 more years and I'll be ready. It'll be better then. Abraham was 100 when God said, Hey, you're about to have a son. Good idea, God. Wrong time. Moses was 80. And God said, it's time to leave the desert, go back to Egypt and get these people out of there. What did he say? He said, he said, God, great idea. Wrong time. Don't say that. I want to share this passage of Scripture with you, and then you can do what you will. The words of Jesus are hard words. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He wants to know you. Sabbath is about giving him a weekly time to know you. Commas are about knowing him. So we can't say, but I go to church every week and I I serve in the children's ministry and I I tithe and all those things are great. But that's what these people said too. I'm doing this stuff. He said, yeah, but I never knew you. I never knew you. Sabbath is about God saying, stop. Take a time every week to make it holy so I can know you. And this really is what your heart is craving. It really is what your heart is longing for. Are you a person today who just wants to surrender all of your time over to God in a meaningful way? You say, okay, I I, I don't even know how I would do this, but God, let me just start by giving you all 168 hours. If If you just feel like you're stirred to surrender your time to God, come on up.